Now, I mentioned I had a little exclusive. Yes. And I haven't heard this reported anywhere, so I'm very sure it's an exclusive. Or 12 rows back exclusive. And here we are, 12 rows back. Two blokes with a witty and informed take on our great game. It's good to be back, Seb. How are you travelling? Uh, fantastic. We've had a week of practice games, sort yep, of but- very eventful, but also people, I think, have forgotten they are just genuine practice games. Nothing matters. doesn't matter if you get flogged or win by a lot. It's just a practice game. I know there is a very large hunger. You could see from the crowds turning up at the games that, that people are very keen to get back into the footy and actually get themselves to those games. I know games on a Monday afternoon and Sundays, Saturdays, Fridays, Thursdays, it was all happening. But uh, look, I enjoyed it. It was it was good to have it back. Uh, there's plenty to cover, I guess, this week as well. Um, obviously, both our teams in a practice game will cover, but just just off the top, your thoughts of the weekend? Uh, Look, it was a successful return to footy. We had the man in the mark rule was in full force. And during the North game, which I think was in the first half of games, we'd had something like 600 marks taken and three or four 50 meter penalties given across those 600 marks, which is a sign of, Nothing's really gone wrong with it. And it was very noticeable to the eye that that ball was moving around inside, outside. Um, I reckon I reckon that indoor, the corridor handball is a thing that's going to really come back to move the ball quickly. Teams would so often force you out wide, um, but now they just have to stand still on the mark. So quick, quick fire handball inboard really opens up the field for you. So it looked, I think this is one of the first times old mate Steve Hawking's got one right with the rule change. Yeah, well, it's such an interesting one. There was uh, so much heat on it. I think a few of those clips from those intros or cross those invisible practice games that we talked about last week has sort of leaked out. And it look, it, it needed time to breathe. I, I've been thinking that over the past week. It needed a bit of time to breathe. I guess with the lack of footy and a lack of things to talk about, it was really a hot ticket item. But... I mean, I enjoyed the way the clubs approached it over the weekend. I think, yeah, like you said, it really uh, opened up that corridor play. Um, I mean, we weren't sure what we were going to see from clubs, whether they were going to you know, practice what they're going to do in a game time as you do in the preseason or whether they were going to keep a ace up their sleeve and keep it for the real stuff. But clubs have seen the match practice. They want to get their players used to it. They don't want those 50s. So we saw it. You know, saw a little tactics starting to drip through and come through uh, throughout the weekend. So... I know there's a bit of, obviously, the player on the mark can't move, but players in and around the mark sort of helping out or, or being in the area where they can try and influence, I guess, what happens with the kicker there. So um, I, I, in particular, I mean, bias for you, obviously saw a fair bit of that with the Saints on uh, on Thursday. But look, I didn't mind it. And I'm with you. I think Hocking might be on a little something here. And you, look, you know, if it's going to go right, that they're going to jump all over it as a bit of a saviour sort of thing. But we'll see how it pans out because like we said, it is early in the year, but good signs early. Yeah, 100%. I think it um, doesn't quite apply, but the old saying, if you throw enough mud, something's bound to stick. Well, <laughs> if you change enough <laughs> rules, you're bound to change one in a positive direction. So um, 
well done, but please stop changing the rules. Overall, it hasn't helped the game. Uh, it was good to see, from my point of view, it was good to see the regular quarter lengths back. Um, I wasn't a fan of the shorter quarters last year. Everyone is saying it is better to have a shorter, sharper game and people's attention spans are waning. Um, I felt the quarters were just over far too quick last year. One thing they have kept from last year, it seems, is the extended break between goals. So they've allowed these rules to have more goal scoring and kept the extended break. So old mate, you know, next week, Channel 7 can get the old two ads in between goals. And that is one of the big reasons it's extended to such long overall quarters uh, instead of just the regular four or five goal quarters that you seem to get. We had eight, nine, ten goal quarters plus... I timed it. It was about 50, 55 seconds in my inexact stopwatch um, on the phone timing. So uh, I hope they don't try and tinker with that because I just think 20 minutes plus time on, that's a staple of the game. Yeah, I fully agree with that that timing. I mean, um, I, I know first quarter of my game, you know, when there was I think 12 goals kicked in that first, we had a 36-minute first quarter. But yeah, with all those goals, you just saw it just blew right out. So... You'll be used to that, Tom. Yeah, well, lots of goals for the Saints this year. Yeah, true. Look, we'll 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 get to that. I'm trying to keep a lid on it, unlike certain videos that emerged on our social media of lids coming off on the on the Friday. Um, Check that out if you haven't seen uh, that already. That's great vision. Um, But yeah, obviously, there's probably the of the financial aspect coming through. But I'm I'm really hoping that we aren't going. I mean, that is the part of the game. The 45 to you know, a minute you mentioned after goals. I know they are trying to sneak in two ads and yeah, like I said, it might be financially based, but yeah, that, that's where they can get short and sharp. I'm not, you know, doing the old Goldilocks, too gold, too hot. I did find it a little long, particularly in my game. Um, maybe I'm used to the shorter quarters, the, the punchier quarters. I mean, I don't want any less footy and I'm not whinging that there's more footy, but it did feel there was a slight drag just because of, yeah, that length in between the goals. So I think, you know, there's room to tweak it there, and that's really one for the for the fans. So I hope that they consider doing that because, look, yeah, I'm with you. The 20 minute and time on is traditional, but if games are sort of creeping over two and a half hours into the into the three hour sort of turf with all the breaks, that that's too long for me. Yeah, look, it it can start becoming too long for the casual fan, but. I, uh, you say I'm a casual fan with that one if I don't want the games to go for two and a half. No, no present company excluded. No, uh, I look, but if they go for that long, you would still watch them. Oh, yeah, Whereas yeah. The casual Absolutely, fan yeah. will start switching off. So I guess that's the difference for me. But, I mean, we'll watch it no matter how long the quarters are. Uh, but, look, look, I think shortening by four minutes didn't get you down to that hour and a half, two hour contest that they sort of dream of. So yeah. I think it's an endurance sport. And look, if they, if they do want to keep the shorter quarters, they've got to drastically reduce the rotations because um, they didn't tinker with that. They just shortened the quarters to sort of help get through the games. Uh, still didn't make a heap of sense ultimately with, I don't, I don't know how much it helped them through COVID, but uh, look, I think that was a one-year... I hope it was a one-year experiment and they just stopped tinkering with things like that. Um, yeah. But you've got to wait and see. We're in, the, uh, when the, uh, we're in the AFL's hands here. Now, before we get to a little exclusive I've got for you... Oh, good. Um, good. Zach Williams made a silly mistake to 
jump and bump a St Kilda player head high and he left his feet. Uh, got was, a week. Sorry, what? Oh, no, I was going to say real, real early. I think the energy was pumping through young Zach, and he, he just—it uh, was basically the first contest of the game. At, you know, I, I thought you were going to say there should have been an arrest warrant out for him <laughs> going after. Oh, I got a little soft spot for, for Zach after the uh, 2019 uh, prelim. He had a day out that day. I remember. Um, yeah, sorry, we're digressing, but he he copped a week for that hit. Yeah. And he's appealed it, and the suspension has been uh, upheld, the word I'm looking for. Yeah, no, upheld, that's right. Yeah, in racing, it would have been dismissed. If a protest is upheld, it's agreed. <laughs> that's uh, there you go, there you go, a bit of lingo there. Uh, so he's still gonna, he's gonna miss round one against the Tigers. Uh, I think it was the right move from the AFL to make sure that got suspended, although the harm was minimal. The potential harm if you're leaving your feet and bumping guys in the head, that's it's massive. Um, and that's the sort of stuff they're trying to stamp out of the game. I don't want them taking into consideration potential harm for things like this, but you just yeah. gotta you gotta start stamping out the act and fines are not doing the job. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, like you say, they aren't doing the job. So a week's gonna sting because like we saw, you know, a few injuries for Carlton to worry about and a few uh, doubts hovering over round one and concerns about their forward line. He is a bloke that they desperately need out there. So he's hurt the team and he's hurt himself basically by this stupid little act that's cost him a game. So look, next time he tackles, I, I know like in the heat of the moment, he's probably not thinking, oh, I'm tackling or I'm bumping, but you know, you train that into your game and, and it doesn't happen. And, Look, he would love his time again, Zach, because, yeah, like I said, they are really going to miss him in round one. I think, uh, yeah, that Richmond are looking real strong based on that because he had a great game as well. So he, he's a huge recruit for them and he, he's looking to have a big year and they don't need him sitting on the sidelines for this kind of hit. Absolutely. And, look, I don't – I'm trying not to look at the player in the team in this. I just think the action is what needed to be punished. Um, I Look, I don't really blame the player for doing it. And you, in the heat of the heat of the moment, you know, if you tackle and take him down when you shouldn't, I mean, it can be a dangerous tackle if they're kicking and off balance, and you go and grab them and, and slam them into the ground. So, yeah, that's um, yeah. it was leaving the feet to deliver the bump that, for me, is what made it that much worse and that much, a little bit more dangerous. Versus if he just if you straight clean him up and knock him down, you're fine, but. He's left his feet and hit him in the head. And that, if you get them on the right angle with with proper force, you can do some real damage. Yeah, and look, it, it might maybe it was in their factoring. I know Hunter Clark played out played out the rest of the game. So I mean, did they concussion test him in the fourth quarter? Well, good question. I, I don't know if I saw vision of that. Did they? You you saw that yourself? I could have could have just made that up. I I feel like someone had a concussion test, but not directly after the hit. Um, yeah, because that, that'd be an interesting one. I know, like, you know, maybe he sort of brushed off the hit at the time, maybe suffering symptoms later in the game. But, yeah, I'm with you. I'm pretty sure he would have been, or well, I hope he was tested as soon as that one happened. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because we've got the mandatory 12-day sit-out for concussion this year. So there are a stack of players that missed the first and only practice game because they were concussed in the invisible practice games. So... You may not have seen them, Tom, but concussions did happen there. And, you know, some stars of the comp had to sit out like uh, Andy McGrath and Ben Cunnington. 
<laughs> uh, that probably felt very good to say. Now, good. I'm looking forward to Ben Ten's year. And speaking of the ruse, I'm I'm interested in your your thoughts uh, on on that game. Well, there are a number of ways to look at this. Yeah, we we did play the Hawks and we went down in what was a less than spectacular scuffle. Are we going to win many games this year, Tom? I don't think so. Are we going to show some good signs? Yep. Have we learned to kick the football to players on our team? Nope. We still haven't learned that, and we haven't been able to do that very well for 10 years. It's going to be a long year for North Hands, an exciting year, but a long year. That's yeah. my conclusion after that one game. <laughs> Look, that that's completely fair. I'll steer into the positive. Uh, Jaden Stephenson on a wing. Uh, you, your take on that? I think he had twenty-seven disposals, and and you know, finding the footy obviously out on the wing. And um, as we were mentioning, the long quarters. I, I think there are a couple of other wingmen around. Uh, Tom Phillips and Brad Hill spring to mind. Those endurance beasts that uh, were loving the longer quarters. And yeah, Jaden had a strong game. I thought. Yep, yep, really good, really solid pickup. Fits right into our age bracket, as I touched on before. Uh, did some nice things. Kicked straight to the opposition a few times as well, but he wasn't alone in that boat. Uh, did you did you catch much of the game, or you just picked up a few things here and there? Just picked up a few things. I, I did catch the score um, sort of halfway through the third and saw a... Kaczynski kicking a big bag, which made me feel great because uh, the great Cozzy, uh good to see that name up there. And a couple, yeah, a couple of unheralded names actually at the top of the uh, Hawks goal kicking list just caught my eye. And then um, I caught the did not think later I'd be on. seeing Jay Kaczynski kicking six goals in a game yeah. this year, but I I'd <laughs> witnessed it. I saw the whole thing. Uh, now I'll give you I'll give you a special mention. I saw possibly one of the worst three goal, 23 possession games I've ever seen. Oh, geez, that's a wrap. There's been plenty of those over the stretch, but uh, you're Dom Tyson. Dom Tyson. Now, people are talking up, oh, he's got his chance. He was injury ravaged last year and, and this, that, and the other. He's barely had a chance at North. He's not up to it. I'm telling you this now. He's not up to it. He can't kick. He's a league footballer that cannot kick. And if he's in our best side through the year, that just gives you an idea of where our team's at. Wow. I, usually I'm the one throwing the arrows, but there is one in preseason. You've gone bang. and I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, look, you look at the stat sheet and you, you're looking at Dom and you're like, geez, that, that's some sort of game. But from, uh, you know, you know the ruse and you know the brand that they're trying to play and that they've played and what, what, what couple of cherry pick goals there or just getting onto oh, the right side of a stoppage. Yeah, no, nothing goals. Um, he was just, just in the right spot sort of at the end of, end of certain plays. Um, I'm just looking through some of the names here. Zebul doesn't know how to be a defender. That experiment will fail. Um, Simpkins a star. Luke Davies Uniac is a star, as I was telling you earlier. Yeah, that might, uh, might have made its way onto the social media. My word, it did. Yeah. What else can I tell you? I don't know how Tom Campbell's on a list. Kane Turner is playing for his career this year. Josh Walker is probably a standout, and he will have a very good year for us. That was a little stopgap. And uh, Cam Zerhar, I think, has been drinking his own bathwater over the offseason, just to give you a little idea of, of where some of our players are at. 
I like it. This this is a pre-season analysis, so I'm looking forward to you in season. But for the Roos fans, I, I'd take that on board. Nick Larky, he, he bobbed up or, or not? I'm interested oh, he, in his he did gear. some things, but if you can't kick to your own team, like, like you struggle to get the ball down the other end and then you finally do it, but you put it straight to Hawthorne's hands. Um, there was actually, I should mention this, and this might hurt my, uh, my super coach draft. He's a little. I've picked. I've picked him up watching this, and I just want to make sure I get his name right here. Oh, I don't do that this to me. With comp starting all over uh, Australia at the moment, the Super Coach and the draft probably the best way to do the the Super Coach, if you ask me. Absolutely. Now, forgive me, forgive me, world. I'm going to butcher this, but Chang Changquoth Jeff. Yeah, yeah. CJ, as we were calling him on the call. As Hutto was calling, they he was a star. He was a standout. I'd never seen him play football before. I don't think, but he is going to enjoy running around in that back line. He's quick, can intercept Mark. Um, he's doing all sorts of things all across the ground, and I think he will have a fantastic year. Yeah, good call on that one. I've seen him uh, bob up late last year. I know they got some games into him and, and really sort of used his athleticism uh, to their advantage, the Hawks. And I guess with Clarko as your uh, your coach, you're just going to really improve. So I'm I'm excited to hear that because, yeah, the the rap's coming. I, I saw, you know, we played the Hawks late last year, the Saints, and, and he was just, yeah, intercepting and just starting to get a feel for the game. So if he's taking it to uh, another level, that's a, a win for the Hawks. Absolutely, and I think I think he might get a mention as my prediction for most improved this year. Now, what I reckon a fair percentage of our listener base have been dying to hear is you just dive into a little Saints talk. <laughs> uh, so if you're not keen on this, the rest of the viewers, just tune out for sort of 5.10 as Tom goes through <laughs> what was the start of Premiership year number two for the Saints. Look, I hope that's correct. No, look, I did say uh, last week it uh, wouldn't be a Saints fan if I didn't get excited about a preseason game, but um, I did get excited about this preseason game. Just uh, probably the ideal hit out for us, you know, that sort of first quarter and a half was that footy we really wanted to play and it, and it was slick and it was, you know, through the corridor and the ball movement was, was you know, it, things were clicking. Uh, you know, Max King duking marks and, and, you know, the small forwards nipping away and, I actually, the part I enjoyed most was Carlton sort of challenges, got within a kick late in the fourth, had some opportunities really to even kick and get into the lead, but we steadied and sort of cruised to that four goal win. So that that's ideal to me, play some good footy, sort of rope a dope in the latter parts of quarters, get a little bit tested and, and then come out with a win. So for us, it was ideal. I mentioned Brad Hill, obviously he's the headline act with his uh, incredible metres gained. I know, some don't rate that stat, but he almost had a, a kilometre of metres gained, which is unbelievable. Um, yeah, the small forwards, that's something I'm going to keep an eye on for us Saints fans out there. You've got sort of Higgins and Loney and, um, you know, we had Billings up there and mixing it up, um, kicking goals, making it easier for memory, King, Battle. The forward options are good. Um Disappointing to see Frawley ping his hammy, and I've just seen it's a it's not a, a light one. He's he's gone for ten. Yep. So that's probably the body coming through there. But a positive, we've we've got names coming through. I think Jakey Carlisle might uh, 
might jump in there. Um, we played the whole game without a known ruckman. So big Paul Hunter, who uh, I think was on the Crows list, got a run, kicked a good goal, nice little snap. Um, you know, was sort of found out by Mark Pitney in, in a couple of contests. I know Pitney got on the scoreboard. So, um, you know, we we were a kick up and we've got Jack Bytel and, um, you know, Hunter Clark and, and Gresham coming back from a back injury in the centre. We were really just trying to roll the dice and, and get some, uh, some of those names that you don't usually see some good quality game time. And, um, yeah, look, practice game, I know, but positive signs. So now it's... Uh, Moving on to round one, Maxi King, one to keep an eye on, Seb. I know you're harder on the King brothers than most, but if they can keep on this trajectory, we are going to see some fantastic play from the two of them, and particularly Max from a Saints point of view over the next 5, 10, 15. That's a, it's a good wrap-up. It's a good wrap-up, Tom. Look, I'm on board. When do you see the Saints losing their first game? <laughs> Like, yeah, let me put nah. a date. Let me put a date to you. Anzac Day, April twenty fifth. So, so that's getting into sort of round six, sort of turf. Yeah. There. So we've got the Giants in week one. That's pencil it in. Like send your B team up. You got that. Then you play Melbourne, but at Marvel. So you'll blitz them probably six, seven goals. Essendon at Marvel, like that won't be close. West Coast at Marvel. You just live at Marvel for the first few months of the year. Marvel, again, except against Richmond. That'll be a bit tougher, but you're playing well. Like, remember that game two years ago where you beat him by 57? I remember that round. Uh, it was 2017. I think at that stage we were above them on the ladder and then they went on to win the flag. So, yeah. And um, it's Port Adelaide and Adelaide the following week on Anzac Day. Well, that could be some sort of clash. But no, look, it, it's week to week, Seb. I'm not looking further than round one. Um, you know, we've still got to get on the plane, travel up and, and win the game. The lid came off on our socials, but I'm keeping the lid on for now. But but good signs. I, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing. I'm trying to keep a lid on it for, uh, for now because it is early in the year, but you can't ask for much more at this particular point. So after the first six weeks, St Kilda's record will be... Um, oh, look... You're getting a quote out of me here. Look, I'd be happy if we're four and two. Do you think that will happen, though? I think there's a fair chance we might be at that particular win-loss ratio. But we'll see. You, you don't know. I don't know what's going to happen week to week and what sides are, are perking up. I, you know, you're basing your knowledge on what you saw late last year and the practice matches so far. So, look... You've had a little barb. You've, you've tried there, and I don't blame you. But uh, don't worry, I'll tell you when the lid's off. It, it won't take much. If we if we if we are six and zip, I'll tell you the lid will be off. I think it's off now. <laughs> I really believe it's off now. But I can't fault the positivity. Can't fault the positivity. You got to you got to manifest. You got to manifest this. You can't be stuck in the negativity of Carlton. That you know it's all right. We'll keep losing games. We'll rebuild. We'll rebuild. Jeez, they should, geez, they should have made that trade for Papley. Anyway, yeah, they would love it. Look, as we say though, this this time of year, clubs are selling hope. So yes, my club's one that loves to buy it at this time of the year. But let's uh, let's see how it goes throughout the year. But yeah, that is what it's about at this point. Seeing something you like and hoping it continues throughout the year. Absolutely, but yeah, North couldn't sell me that. 
that North couldn't give me hope, let alone sell it. Uh, now, I mentioned I had a little exclusive. Yes. And I haven't heard this reported anywhere, so I'm very sure it's an exclusive. Ooh, a 12 rows back exclusive. Come That's round two, Tom, crowd numbers will be back at 75%. Jeez, that is a scoop. We've been doing the mats on the 50, but... Already yeah. round two, 75. So I do know of clubs who are selling corporate packages, but they're selling them up to 75%. And yes. if you recall back to the lockdown last year, just before it got announced, magically all the AFL players and clubs had flights booked out of Melbourne before Dan made his announcement. So they've got the inside word and, and in some ways rightly so to sort of pre-plan and stimulate the economy a bit by selling these packages and, and getting money and you know then they've got to pay people to work the things and that sort of stuff so uh that i believe that'll be from round two they'll have that up and about which is great news for footy fans in terms of being able to get to games um i'm looking at trying to organize with some family trying to get six to eight of us at a game and just trying to work out logistically how you would do it in terms of not everyone's a member, so do we have to all go through public and yeah, get tickets like that? Who knows? But uh, yeah, little well, that, it, little excu- exclusive for the uh, well, that 13th is row. Magnificent stuff there, and and I've pulled up while you're saying that the fixture for round two. You've got Collingwood and Carlton on a Thursday night. You think that one might give the seventy five percent a nudge, uh, and followed by, well, look. Uh, I jumped ahead thinking there was another blockbuster yeah, round two. It's got some good games, but uh, none will probably reach the crowd figure of that. But of that now, opening game, but that's exciting. Dare I stuff. say it about that opening game? The loser of that game can't play finals. Yeah, you're coming from a long way back, so they both yeah, they'll so both lose round one. The dogs will versus Richmond, obviously, comfortably. The dogs, yeah. Yeah, I reckon they're both on one. Looking at that game, and if they lose that, oh and two. It's a long way back in this day and age. Yeah, oh, it is a long way back. I think oh, we. I'll go back into the archives and pull out the stats, but I'm pretty sure it's it's below. Well, it'd be below 25 percent, maybe even below 10 percent if you go zip and two. It is very thin. I I, I might have to uh, jump back into the books. I know when Sydney went zero four, I think it was 2017. Yeah, 2017 they did that. Um, the you know, that was unseen stuff and that was sort of zero and four. So at zero and two, it's it's really difficult. So yeah, that, that's a big one. Pies have the Lions in round three, by the way. So they wouldn't want to lose that one because I don't know if they'll pinch that round three. Do have a um, good record up there in Brisbane. That, that is true. We're jumping ahead. We're, we're loving the season ahead. We, we want to get into it. And speaking of getting into it, we, we've we've gone back in and after much popular demand last year with our uh, awards section based on the American uh, football awards that they do over there, we've we've run our own and we're we're jumping right into the season ahead with a few of our awards. So I'll hand it over to you, Seb, to kick us off. Yeah, well, the obvious one and and the standout, the the biggest talking point across there is is the MVP, most valuable player. Now it doesn't always mean best and different leagues categorize it differently. We're just going our most valuable player for the year. And I've gone with none other than the wonder from Fremantle, Nathan Fife. For MVP. Yeah. Did look good from uh, the reviews I've seen over the weekend. So he hasn't taken a step back with a good solid preseason. I don't mind that one. If he played for Collingwood, they'd talk about him as the best player of all time. 
I would not doubt that or yeah, any of the big clubs or basically any Victorian club. Uh, so I'm with you on that one. And he, he, he's, well, he's got a hall of fame resume. It's just how far along he can push it. So he is a great of the game, that five, no doubt. I, I don't mind that one. Seb, good pick. I've taken one and I know the Bulldogs have a stacked midfield with lots of numbers, but uh, I'm looking at the Bont this year for my MVP. I just think he... Does this hurt you, picking the Bont from the Dogs? A little bit. Are you saying I should be picking Jack Billings or just anyone from the Dogs? I'm surprised you didn't pick Jack Steele, to be honest. But uh... Oh, don't worry. He'll be up there when the whips are cracking. But I'm just looking at the Dogs, and I know you know they've added Trelaw and, and you've sort of got McRae and Dunkley in there, but Bont is your Rolls-Royce. He is... The smooth mover, and I'm, you know, he's been in the elite of the competition, but I think it's this might be the year he just jumps to the top of the pack. So I think he's my uh, MVP going into this season. He's going to have to kick forty goals for the dogs to have a big year. Geez, there's a call. Oh, maybe maybe thirty. Forty. That forty's a that's sort of two a game. Two per game. It may be thirty, but you'd have to if he's not kicking at least one goal a game, they're not going to find enough goals to win. Games of football with that forward line. Um, and I, th- I also think with the rest of the class they have that moves through it, they're going to rest him up forward a little bit more this year. Well, look, that, that's the thing, I guess. If he can get those midfield numbers, yes, maybe he won't have as much time. But if he can still get his 20 and, and kick two or three a game, I think that's sort of eye-catching uh, for the fans and the umpires and the competition. So, I'm, look, I'm happy to stick with it. We will revisit these, obviously. Um now, at the other end, uh, players starting out. So, rookie of the year, this obviously excludes Matty Rowell, who isn't a rookie. He had his games last year, so he's probably a Monty for the old rising star, but this is rookie of the year. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I think it's a silly rule to have the rising star. You've got to be, what is it, under 21 and played less than 10 games? 10 games, yeah. So, you can sit on a list for two years. Get yourself AFL ready, play nine games, and then be the rising star. Very odd system, but uh, that is the world we live in. Rookie of the year, so that's first year player. Tom Powell, North. You've Melbourne. gone local. You've gone a local. Pick, pick 13, thirteen out of the draft. Yep, not even our first pick in the draft. That's how well we've drafted. Uh, he will play just about every game. Smooth mover across half back and. It's a, it's the easiest spot to sort of slot in as a first year player. Send them up forward. They've got to learn how to be a forward and do all this other stuff. In the middle, bigger bodies, a bit harder. Down back, you can get a few cheapies, bit of bit of loose ball, bit of mopping up sort of stuff, and and sort of bump the numbers a bit. Uh, and I think the ball will be down there a little bit for him to be scooping them up. So I know I've gone local, and I'm not going to apologise for it. I think he will be rookie of the year. There you go. I've taken uh, a player the Roos actually had access to and passed on in the draft, but uh, big Logan McDonald up in Sydney. I think he, he's just primed to take this comp by storm in his first year. Good size about him. AFL ready. Showed some signs in this preseason already. Um, you know, the Swans are planning for life with, uh, you know, doubt over Buddy and what he's going to do. So they're replanning their forward line. He, he can just grab a spot there and, and slot in just nicely. Uh, yeah, looks the goods. We'll have that sort of key forwardness about him. I think Jesse Hogan sort of had that year when he won his rising star that sort of caught the uh, selectors there. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I think he's got all the potential to uh, take out the rookie of the year. And yes, I do have a soft spot for the bigs. So Logan McDonald for me. 
Coach of the Year, Tom. Self-explanatory. Yep, coach I'm of the year. jumping over to WA. My, oh, uh, surprisingly so. Yep, yep. Love the WA it over guys. there. Uh, well, I've, I've already given out my ladder predictions and Justin Longmuir uh, will be coaching Fremantle to the finals this year and I think will deservingly be coach of the year. I think if you look at the top teams, I don't think you can give it to Chris Scott even... I mean, if they went 20 and 2, you might. But if they just have another 16 and 6, 17 and 5 year, I say just, that's a good year. But oh, yeah. we know he, keep, he, can, he can do that. He's got an outstanding winning percentage. Uh, I think Chrissy Fagan, I think Brisbane will have a little down year. And that won't be any fault of his, but I just sort of see it coming. With They're still a young side. And uh, Cam Rayner out for the year with his ACL. Oh, oh, that's confirmed. I did see yep. uh, that injury and it had all the hallmarks of an ACL, so that's yep. terrible news. No, that's that popped and across Cam. my desk this evening. Uh, and Dimmer Hardwick, I don't think he gets enough plaudits, but I don't think he's going to be considered for coach of the year. Uh, they'll talk about it if they win another flag, but I'm talk, sort of talking home and away season. and I, So ruling out those sort of big dogs, uh, steering aside into the finals, like Frio, who absolutely get no credit whatsoever. Um, even in WA, they're sort of little brothers. So uh, he's my pick for coach of the year. Tom, where did you land? Yeah, so when I went back and forth on this. With you on the coach of the year, I guess when you have that expectation and you obviously exceed that, uh, like uh, Justin Longmuir getting Fremantle to the finals would be, you've got to take that. But I'm going down the road, uh, the road, on you've got a great team and you get them to a great level. So I'm actually bullish about the power and Ken Hinckley. I think, uh, you know, they've, they've got all the hallmarks. They've got all the boxes ticked. Um, Port Adelaide to make a real run deep into September. He's in charge. Ken has shown that he's happy to throw uh, up a few curveballs with a game plan or, or try things out or, or get the ball moving and have that uh, ball pinging around at Adelaide Oval and beyond. So I'm, I'm liking Ken. I know, yeah, obvious pick when you've got a good team in Port Adelaide, but they've got to prove it. I mean, minor premiers last year, probably just a few bits of polish lacked uh, to make it all the way to the granny, but uh, I'm bullish on them. And I think Ken will lead them and, and grab coach of the year. Good call. I'm, I'm bullish on their chances this year too. Who do you believe will be most improved? Well, yeah. So this tricky category, this one, because you know, there's obviously a lot of players and, and you know, you take what you can out of the preseason, but you know, you've got to think of season wide uh, improvement, but I'm sticking with Port Adelaide and I'm looking at a guy uh, in a Razio Fantasia or a Razio Fantasia, depending on how you say that one. Um, I just think with, you know, Port Adelaide's forward structure and, and some good delivery and, and some, you know, heavy numbers in the inside 50 column, I just think he'll explode and, I've sort of taken a leaf out of the uh, the Saints' Dan Butler book. I just think Horatio's just primed to explode this year up forward for the power and and really, yeah, have that year that we all think he can have. So I'm looking at Horatio as my most improved. Does he get a game week in, week out? Yeah, interesting question, that one. I mean, I, I think he is in their best team. Uh, you'd probably say he has to perform every week to stay in the team. So I guess if I'm talking most improved levels and he nails down that spot, I mean... I know. I think he has a thirty-plus goal year in him at best. Um, so if he can produce that, then from where he's come from, you've got to sort of have him in these most improved calculations. 
Absolutely. I, I more asked because they obviously had such a strong side last year. And where does that leave yeah, him? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's why they're flying. I guess you don't have anyone just walking into that side. But I, I think he, he might sneak a spot there. Very nice. I went now, obviously, I mentioned CJ from Hawthorne off the top. And yeah. I do very much think he will be in this category. But just to throw up a second name. Uh, I've actually got two names in my head, and I, I know from Essendon, Sammy Draper is going to have a big year. Um, he's a young kid, but he's primed to take the mantle of being probably a top five to ten ruckman in the comp. I don't think he'll jump up into that upper echelon, a top three or four. In who would you have there? Grundy, Goldstein, Nat Nui, uh, Max Gorn, Max Gorn, Ron Marshall. Yep, well, I'm talking about blokes who will play in week one, two, three, no, or four. No, I had to throw that one in there, but yeah, so yeah, basic Grundy, Gorn, and and Nick Nat, I would say, would be your top three. Gee, God, seems stiff to miss out, but I take your point. He, he, he's up there. He's up there. He's Don't rocking. I'm he's, keeping you honest. He's tapping to no one. <laughs> I think <laughs> might be what hurts him. Yeah, that doesn't help. But uh, I think Draper's got all the tools there to take take a step, and and as some of those guys start to get older, probably leapfrog them uh but i watched a bit of the bombers game jai corbell who impressed in the uh what did you call it the invisible practice game impressed there slick mover just as looks like he's got so much time on his hand hands he's going to slot in so well down there at essendon and i think he will be i think all the talk when essendon recruited him was you know he's he's a really good football he's he's going to be a good good player i from what I've seen so far, that was actually warranted. Normally, it's never warranted to the level they talk about it around trade week, but we've got nothing better to talk about, so that's what we do. Uh, <laughs> but from what I've seen, I, I think he's in for a stellar year for the Essendon Football Club. Yeah, look, I, I like that one too. I think, uh, you know, I know the Saints are in those calculations and I was annoyed when he left. So that's a that's a bit of a win for the Bombers. They could do with a, a good user in that midfield. Uh, your offensive player of the year. Uh, I couldn't go past the big fella down in Geelong, Jeremy Cameron. I watched yeah, so- a few passages of play, and I can see Jezza kicking 60, 70 goals this year. I think he'll win the Coleman medal. Jeez, uh, even, even with big Tomahawk down there as well, you think Tomahawk loves, to to, loves to give the goal assist. Well, that, like, yeah, that is true. To his own detriment. I don't think I've ever seen Jeremy Cameron have a look at the goals he doesn't like. Doesn't matter where he is, so long as he's sixty and in, he thinks yeah, he's a that's that's his game. I, I'm fully with you there. I, I'm sure Geelong will try and not so much talk him out of playing his natural game, but sort of encourage him to play the percentages a bit. But I think he's just going to have a huge, huge year, and you still need to send your best, biggest, strongest defender to Tom Hawkins, which. Leaves Jeremy yeah. Cameron able to run around and Jeez, do whatever I'm the, the second hell he best likes. defender. That's that's frightening, isn't it? Yeah, like he might get the quicker, wiry defender, who is sometimes a better defender, but he'd be too strong for them. So he will just do what he wants. And dare I say it, when they get one of those round one, they play Adelaide. He can yeah, ten. Yeah, no, with you on that one, Seb. I think, look, I have potted the cats, but I do think they are primed for a huge year and he'll be crucial to that. So I think they'll be up there. They are playing that one in Adelaide. So, look, he doesn't mind it out there. I've gone another big forward, uh, big Tommy Lynch. I think 
I know, look, it came up a few weeks ago when we were talking about Tom Brady. Uh, but no, he, he is prime Tom Lynch. I know people have their doubts on what the Tigers can do, whether they can maintain the rage and, and stay at the top. I think they will. They were definitely up there in my power rankings. I think, you know, he, he's at that age and he's he's been in their system long enough now that he can really take advantage. Jack Rewald is fading a little bit and getting further up the ground. Tom Lynch is becoming the full... He's the man down there. He's the guy kicking the goals. I think, you know, it, he you know, hasn't been playing badly, but, you know, hasn't quite reached the level that he got to at the Suns in terms of being the full focal point. Um, I think Richmond have gradually learned how to use him, but I'm, I'm thinking he's primed for a really big year. Uh, no one really pinching his goals and his his marks inside 50. So I'm, I'm liking the big fella, particularly with a stack of games at the MCG. So I'm, I'm going Tom Lynch as my offensive. Switching will, he, in. will he win the Coleman? He may give it a shake. Look, I... I did originally when I had this pick have him as uh, the Coleman, but I, I did mind. I didn't mind your uh, points on Jeremy Cameron, but look, he'll, he'll be top five in the Coleman, so um, he'll be in the. With, I would wager with you, he will not be top five. I'd be considering wagering with you; he will not be top ten. There you go. Well, I might I might have a have a little bite at that. Why don't we save that one for our? Uh, do we have a bet? We have our betting categories coming in in this yep. year in a separate podcast so we'll, yep. Yep. we'll have we a few of those a, i reckon to kick off the future picks moving to the other end of the ground defensive player of the year the unheralded unheralded players the the blokes that hold teams together and sort of win grand finals off their own boots uh i've gone out west again surprise surprise to Fremantle and uh, luke ryan <laughs> Can I ask you a question here? So your MVP, your coach of the year and defensive player of the year, all from Fremantle, are you considering a membership? <laughs> I didn't realize I'd done that. That is, uh, I agree with them all as picks. They're all, they're all fair, but that that's a little coincidental. If anything, I would look at changing the MVP, <laughs> but no, I just think, I think Fife's in for a big year. I like him to win Brownlow number three. I like Freya to shoot up the ladder. And if you've seen what Lukey Ryan does, he is an absolute jet. Gets no credit as a defender who plays for Fremantle. Um, There aren't many ones you could probably name off the top of your head. Uh, And he had an an outstanding year last year. And All-Australian Doig medal. Am I pronouncing that right? Doig? Yeah, no, that's right. The Doig medal, the BNF over there. And Purple jacket. he fits right into that team. And he's my defensive player of the year as, as we sit here. No, I like that one. He, yeah, definitely uh, underrated over here in Victoria, but deserves all the plaudits. He had a great year and building a nice career. I'm going, uh, I likened him for the Norm Smith uh, when we did our tips in the granny, but Tom Stewart at the Cats, uh, I think, has all the tools to be an outstanding offender, a defender, uh, does it week in, week out. The Cats backline style lets him off the chain consistently. I don't know how many times I watched him last year with absolutely no one near him because they let him play loose and play off. He does defend and is a good defender when he needs to be, but his go is being an offensive defender. I think if you if they've got you know Higgins and Isaac Smith coming off, a halfback just to uh, get a bit of ball that he'll be even more off the chain because they'll attract uh, 
defensive forward. So I think, yeah, and he's he's multiple Australian, I think, at this stage and learning from the best down there in, in right. Uh, so, yeah, Tommy Stewart for me for defensive. Yeah, look, he's uh, he's a star of the comp. Uh, Tommy Stewart just goes about his business, does what he needs to, gets the job done, and dare I say it, never doesn't really have a bad kicked on him that I can recall. Uh, so that's it. That's our that's a wrap of our preseason award predictions, American style. Uh, as Tom, as you mentioned, we will in our week one preview podcast, we will throw a few futures bets that we like to sort of see a little return on. And uh, I might just do a little Fremantle Trixie of five for the uh, five for the yeah, Brownlow. I'll find someone for the Coleman and. Yeah, I couldn't have a docker winning the Coleman to be honest, but I'll I'll find yeah, something. Matty Tavener won't bop up. He he, <laughs> he need a fair fair bag of goals to get up kicked, there, but yeah, kicked a few for my Super Coach squad last year in in winning the title. So impartial, a little bit of Matty Tavener. No, there you go. Look, I'm I'm keeping an eye on the dockers for you, but yeah, look as you said, we'll we'll revisit these, and there's there's plenty to uh, to. Uh, invest in if you're interested in that and and we'll keep an eye we'll do mid-season and end of year we can revisit these i'm looking forward to that Seb. but that's it for another week <laughs> another quality episode and uh we look forward to having you back on 12 rows back we are back <laughs>